Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just what. a Magnum. Yeah, just a Magnum. Come on, Cam, last year, we said probably 150, mid-150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine-pointer. Here, here steps out this 90-inch eight-pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then I'll step like another 90-inch eight-pointer. Yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Bro, yeah, bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like deer right there. Yeah, like, and he's 30 already yards. thirty yards. Yeah, he he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at one forty in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yards shot. Sent the combat veteran, and I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special meat. Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt. And leaving a legacy. Baller rut. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, and we'll come in, in your ear holes on a Wednesday. Oh man, the voice is better on Bush Apple. I've just <laughs> gotta say. It's got a little christening. Got to a it. little crisp. Like a like a what kind of apple is that? What do you got? What do you think an apple that? Um a uh a honey crisp. A honey crisp. Crisp like a honey crisp. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's turned it off. Everybody's <laughs> shut off the podcast right now. All right. Um, yeah, this is a whitetail podcast. We're going to talk about some whitetails with Clint McCoy. This is an awesome episode. Um, Clint is one of the most positive guys online. Good, good content. Um, check his stuff out on White Knuckle Productions. Um, the hunt with his son is super awesome. The hunt the year his son got hurt on video... It's just super emotional. It relates to a lot of hunters, you know what I mean? And uh, I really enjoyed it. We uh, we talk a lot of stuff on this. We talk, um, 
man, we talk a lot of good whitetail tactics on this. Mm. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, staying positive while you're trying to hunt. Um, you know, early season can be tough. And uh, just keeping up with the changes that go on throughout yeah, the year. Touch on some EHD articles that he's got coming out. A lot of good content. Now, so let's get into the people that make this possible Get in the show. We'll start off with the VIP veteran broadhead. Let's start out with a shout-out this we're going to switch it up. Start out with a shout-out this Yeah, week. so kind of picking off, pick, piggybacking off of last week, um, the Dust Off Project, which is taken over by Tyson Trunk Hill, um, they take donations of new and used archery equipment and make sure it's in good working condition and then redistribute it to military veterans who are new to the sport or possibly meet a few other different pieces of criteria so um like i said last week uh, we shouted out tyson for his service and then this week we're going to shout out um his his side project or you know his main focus is uh helping out other veterans and um you know that's very respectable um tyson does have ptsd and this is his way to cope with it and um he's making sure that other people have the same outlet as he did so um Thank you, Tyson, for doing this and serving the country and making sure that other people who did serve the country um, have the same available options as you did. All right, ECW calls all your custom call needs. Embry, customwoodworking.com, grunt tube, duck calls, got it all for you guys right there. And this week for Exodus, uh, we are going to be shouting out again that they are doing their Velvet Fest campaign. Um, don't forget, you have a chance to win four major grand prizes with every purchase on the website. Uh, every camera order does come with a scratch-off card. That is a prize winner, um, different prizes and savings. Just be sure to use the hashtag VelvetFest on social to win prizes throughout the online event. Uh, you still do have a few days left here. So don't forget, you know, Exodus Trail Cameras flat out getting the job done for us and their uh, five-year no BS warranty covered by theft and damage. Uh, it just can't be beat simply. So um, be sure to get in there and use the hashtags and check them out on social and be sure to get into uh, hopefully one of them drawings for a couple of them hunts or a, uh, a shoulder mount from urine taxidermy. Ingram's Outdoor Obsession, all your taxidermy needs right out of Oneida, Illinois, for all our local listeners. Give them a shot. Great friend, great dude. Um, can't wait to get our bucks back. Let's get into the show. All right, we got Clint McCoy online. I've been looking forward to talking to this guy for a long time, been following him on social media. Um, good guy to look up to um, out there um, making content, always positive. Videos are, you can just tell this guy is just having an absolute blast out yeah. in the woods, always laughing having fun, um, and he kills super solid deer consistently, and he, he's got it going on. So we appreciate you coming on, Clint. Man, guys, I appreciate you guys uh, sending the invite over and, and letting me come talk deer. I'd talk deer to a fence post if I had to, but I'm <laughs> glad I got you guys with me. I, I just listened to um, uh, the conversation you guys had with uh, um, Joe Um and, you know, you guys always do a really good job there. I mean, I can't I can't say enough about you guys' style, and, and I'm honored to just be able to sit and talk with you guys. Thanks, man. We appreciate yeah. that. We it's... we try to we try to make it fun, a little bit of knowledge, and uh, and just, like you said, keep it positive. Just That's listen to Cody mess up yeah. a lot. I, I, <laughs> if you want to hear someone that is not good at the English language and that's the only language he knows, I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh just for uh, the I'll listener. tell you one thing that i really like about you guys is it, 
format. And I love that you guys give a veteran shout out every time, man. I love that. We should all be doing more of that. You know what I mean? It, it's that's a, a super positive. I had a veteran in my life that impacted me in a like literally life altering way. And without going into the story in the detail, man, I I just I, I really like that, and I appreciate you guys doing that for all the veterans out there. That's great stuff. Yeah, we appreciate that. Um, my brother was actually um, in the Navy, and uh, he deployed twice to Iraq and once to Kuwait. And um, it was pretty scary for me to, like, tell him goodbye when he was like, hey, man, I'm I'm getting deployed. And, like, I, I remember standing out front, and we took a picture. And back then, you know, in, like, 05, when he took a picture, you're like, holy shit, like, we're taking a picture, you know. And, um, like, that was kind of heavy. And, um, you know, since then it's um something that kind of weighs on weighs on me a little bit and um now i now have a brother-in-law who was in the marines and um it's uh something that goes goes a lot unsaid and unthanked and uh you know we're just trying to bring that to light and let these people know or let the listeners know that just your small token of appreciation goes really far with these vets you bet yeah that you bet they uh it's something like they go out there and then there's everybody's like, Oh yeah, you're in the army. Cool. And then when you leave, it's like, it's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all that effort that you put in and time away from your family is forgotten. So that's a small thing that we wanted to start. And a lot of it for me was, you know, I, I've never met someone that was a military that wasn't a solid dude. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they might have their tweaks and twerks, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they're always a solid dude, you know what I mean? And, so, and they're they're proud as hell to serve their country, and they're an American, you know, to the grave, yeah. and literally to their grave. And, um, you, you know, you just got to go up there, shake their hand, you know, because they're going to be wearing, you know, whether it be their camo or, you know, a hat that, you know, they got deployed to or something. And just a handshake and a thank you. And um, I, go, I go to peoria and um the guy there he has a uh, u.s marine corps patch on his sleeve and uh, that's where i do my official weigh-in and uh i just said hey man um did you serve you know obviously i know he did but yeah, just kind of started the conversation yeah and uh he's like yeah and i said hey man i appreciate it and you know it's like kind of taken back like holy shit and i could just tell it kind of hit him and you know it, it makes me feel good it makes him feel good and yeah. uh let's it lets him know that it was appreciated little gratitude to anybody yeah, exactly. is appreciated so goes a long way it does all right well let the listeners know a little bit about what you do um there with uh, white knuckle and just a little bit about yourself uh man i grew up um southeastern illinois down here along the banks of the wabash and you could consider us the wabash cannonball so. <laughs> yeah we actually the, the cannonball bridge is right Literally, really? you can yeah, you can drive right across. The I didn't here. even know that was a thing. I thought it was just a song. <laughs> I'm about to take yeah, my so, kids there. <laughs> uh, it's sketchy, dude. It's sketchy now. Uh, single lane, um, but uh, yeah. So I grew up down here in a little town, Palestine, uh, in Crawford County, and uh, uh, grew up on a family dairy farm. My old man's still milking cows, and we're the last family dairy in our county. And I'm uh, went to school and and. Uh, learned uh, the veterinary trade so my daily life is saving animals um but my you know after hours slash weekend slash vacation life is trying to hunt them down so it's kind of a weird balance but uh it works for me 
um, I guess. I really uh, need that kind of balance in my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, with, you know, I started filming for white knuckle, um, uh, three years ago, I think this will be my fourth season for him. And, and, um, kind of like you guys are kind of non, no nonsense, um, YouTube channel. And, and we're all about, you know, creating a decent, usable, relatable, organic, like this is how it is in the real world content. Um, and I really just have a ball filming for those guys. Um, and I've been uh, recently been fortunate to talk to Haynes Shelton and, and Gordon Whittington over the last um, couple, three years, the North American Whitetail, and they let me let me write some articles for them uh, over the last several years. And I, I really enjoyed that part. I like to sit and write, and it's always been kind of a strange outlet for me, I guess. But uh, that, you I are a, a, you are a really good storyteller. Your posts are solid and. There's a few people I follow that are like that, and I really enjoy when I get that post. I'm like, I'm about to read a long post, but it's going to be a good long yeah, post. You exactly. Know I mean? Exactly. So. I, I try to make it that way. Like, I don't, I can't stand, like, just the shared bullcrap that's on social. And I, I tend, tend to try and write a good, something that I would want to read, you know? Um, so I, I really appreciate the kind words there. Yeah. And Cody and I can kind of relate because we kind of have a little, a little bug for a little writing. And when we read something, yeah, I got your, blog. yeah, when we read something of yours, we're just like, like, holy shit. Like he was in the moment, you know, yeah. he was feeling it. And you know, you just, yep. you get all the emotions going as you're writing and you know, it, it all just comes back and kind of floods over you. So, you know, that's something that we can relate to for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, you said that you had wrote a little bit for white uh, North North American Whitetail, and you wrote an EHD article, and uh, that's something that a lot of people are dealing with, and you're dealing with it right now. So I think that's how we're going to open up the show here. Um, go ahead and go into that article and just explain EHD a little bit for for the listeners and for us. You know, we kind of know what it is. And we have seen some of it, but we're kind of lucky in our county. We've never yeah. had a real bad year in our area, so sure. Uh, yeah, so so with the, my, my background in veterinary medicine, um, you know, EHD. When I see it outbreaking, um, it it strikes me more or differently maybe than than the average hunter. Uh, I, you know, the way I'd put it, it. Uh, um, so EHD, epizootic hemorrhagic disease, um, it's spread by a virus uh, that these little culicoidy midge flies, uh, parasitic flies uh, spread, and it's typically during drought years because uh, that fly requires muddy habitat to breed and replicate. So when there is less water around, animals are congregating around those leftover potholes where there's a bunch of mud and tracks around it. And it just sets up for, a, um, it just sets up for an outbreak year. And we typically down here will have, you know, we had a hell of an outbreak in 2012, 2012. It was the, one of the worst seasons, uh, of, it was, it was the worst season that I've ever had, even since I was a little kid. Uh, we had a massive die-off down here then, and it smoked a bunch of our bucks. And so in that article, I was just trying to get out the reality of, of what EHD is and, and how it can impact your hunting strategy a little bit. 
I, I didn't go real heavy into the veterinary aspect of the disease process, um, but more so on the tactics that you would use to try and troubleshoot an outbreak. So last year we knew it was very, very dry. Uh, and, and I, I just, we just had sinking feelings that, it, that the closer we got uh, to season, that some of these bucks that we were on, we were no longer. And, uh, you know, we had a, a pretty substantial break here around our, our hunting area. And, and it was enough that made me have to adapt to several plan B's and C's. And, and when I was trying to troubleshoot that outbreak, um, some of my decisions during the season seemed like they were kind of haphazard and I didn't, I, I was just kind of scrambling. Um, but when I look back on it, um, it, it helped me make a strategy for plan B and, or C when it happens again. Um, and, and I, that's kind of what the premise and the crux of that piece is about is when you've got an outbreak, um, you know, one of the things that you need to, or at least I, I think you need to do, um, is exactly the opposite of what we're trained to do as mature buck hunters, um, and that is you got to go put boots on the ground and stomp your woods. You, you've got to go look in those creek beds for those dead deer, um, and, and we did that last year. My brother actually took a day off of work, like vacation day style, in early October and went in specifically to find a couple of different target bucks we thought might be dead. He did uncover one of them. That was October the 9th or 10th, I think. And it was just a really deflating, but at the same time, we weren't wasting our time. Uh, we weren't wasting our time hunting the ghost. And, and so then we go into mad scramble and, and you know, we, we weren't, we weren't being, um, we weren't being unwise with our decisions to, to scout and, and do some in season stuff like that. But, um, boy, it really impacted my season. And last year, you know, you think, I don't want to replicate what happened to me in 2012, uh, which was terrible. I didn't kill a single buck that year. It was the worst season I've had. Um, and I wound up, you know, with the decisions that we made, I wound up shooting the best bow I've ever or buck I've ever taken with a bow. Um, so that's kind of what that piece is about. It, it, it'll come out, um, I think probably this next month. Um, so if your neck of the country is going through it, give it a look. Let me know what you think. Yeah, man, it's always scary to see these videos on social of these deer just walking around in circles or, you know, you just know that that deer is not doing good and the end is near for it. And, you know, the ones that sort of blow just it's a giant buck and you're just like, damn, you know, yeah. somebody knows that that deer's yeah. there or in the area and you just, you feel bad for the deer and, you know, jury put on one last year and it was like down in like a legit, you know, flowing river and it was an absolute mega. You're just like, yep. man, dude, like you just hate to see it happen like that, it, but it's nature, you know, it, yeah, but it I happens. Mean, like he said, if you're not going out there looking for that deer, if you think it happened and you kind of know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure in that article, people can learn kind of what to look for and stuff. And you're hunting a, a deer that's no longer alive, and you could yeah. waste your whole season trying to kill a deer that's not even there. You know what I mean? So that, that that's exactly right. And you'll find that, like, it, it doesn't take you don't have to go stomp through the entire areas that you hunt to get a feel for 
the the, lev- the prevalence rate we call it in vet med uh, of, of the type of outbreak you know you've got going on there um, you know if you get on a farm and say most of those deer again when they they get a really bad fever it's just nuclear roast you 107 108 degree fever uh, and their brain swells their tongue swells and, and you know they, they hemorrhage internally and they'll seek water almost 90 percent of the time uh, so find a tributary or, or, or a, um, you know, a big creek basin or even a tile drainage, something weird and small, and go hit those little farm ponds and potholes and just look at water. Um, and and it, doesn't, it doesn't take you long to figure out, you know, what am I up against this season and do I need to, do I need to adapt? And that was all about our entire season last year. We had to seriously adapt to get anything killed. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad it forced me into that adaption because if I'd have never had EHD last year, I never would have gotten outside of that don't disturb the woods bubble that we live in. Um, and I would have never got the intel I needed to kill the buck that I did last year. That's the bubble I live in. <laughs> Don't disturb anything. Me too. Try to we, we're, con- we're conditioned to do that, you know, and that's that's simple, basic, like human intelligence tells you this is the right thing to do. You know, taking pressure off of anything is, is the right thing to do, but why is that? And the answer to that question is whitetails can learn, plain and simple. Like dogs can learn. Hell, a po- possums can learn. Wildlife I've had possums can... ground sentence. So <laughs> yeah, I, right. I don't know how many times I've said that, but and, and so how often do you you know you look at it? How often do you have run-ins with a button buck where you think, well, I can if I get close enough, I might be able to touch him, or he's licking your toe rope or, or something weird like that. But how often do you ever see a, a four, five, six, seven-year-old deer do stuff like that? Never. They're no. so cautious. They're, like, looking around. Mm-hmm. Never. Just, because they learn. And, and that's to, a big point. I got to chime in here real quick before I forget. Your coon videos, don't stop doing those, man. <laughs> I oh my God. absolutely love the coon videos and the possum videos. I I. I look for them. I'm like, oh, yes, a new one. And then I just <laughs> die laughing. I'm like, so, <laughs> yeah, so what Cody's talking about there is we, um, we've had this great big old fat possum that would come up to our front steps and, you know, we just started feeding him and we set up some trail cameras and he would, we were just interested to see what he would eat and what he wouldn't. And he got huge and it was, he got to the point where you could hand feed him almost like it was cool. Um, and people, you know, possums get a bad rap, you know, turkey hunters hate them cause they think they're nest killers and they are, but you know, he's not killing any turkeys in my front yard. So I didn't really give a damn. Um, but that was, that was cool. So now we've got an influx of raccoons and it's like a street turf war. It is. It, it's hilarious. The, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. The, yeah. If you feed them anything sticky and they start smacking and stuff, I'm just dying out there. I'm like, it's like some natural yeah. geographic film I'm watching right here. Oh yeah. So the the latest thing we've been feed, we've got this female possum that's been coming up, um, and she the other night she had a whole belly full of babies. Like you could see them bulging in her pouch, and she pounded like a, I would say two pounds worth of 
the like old watermelon that we weren't going to eat. And you want to talk about say it, don't spray it, man. She was slobbering everywhere. <laughs> it's that kind of stuff is hilarious. It is, I just yeah. like, you know, we, we as whitetail hunters enjoy wildlife period, whether they're in your yard or out in the timber. And it's just fun. Yeah, it's just fun to watch them. And you got that camera so close, you know, and they don't even care about that camera now. Like no. the first videos, you could tell that they're kind of looking at it. And now they're just like, oh, there's a donut out here. I'm about to smash this. <laughs> 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 they're like, what What this guy leave me today? I'm rolling up. You know what I mean? So uh, but the, we have, the all-time favorite was uh, freshly made like actual homemade Rice Krispie treats, man. Yeah, that dude pounded them. That must have been the one where his mouth was getting all sticky and I was watching. It was cracking me up. <laughs> he kept, like, pawing his hand in there trying to break it up. <laughs> yeah, and it was so weird because, like, we started posting those about the time COVID hit and everybody was just kind of sitting around looking for something new. And, it, like, it took up – it took off. You know, people started, like, messaging me like, hey, how's Walter? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> Yeah, I'm I actually like, had a lady. I had a lady call me at at the vet clinic, and she was like, "Hey, I found a possum. Do you want it?" And I was like, "Huh? <laughs> I'm starting to tribe out here." Like, st- no, I don't want it. Like, I, I mean, I I don't know that Walter would want competition. First of all, but, <laughs> we're starting. Um, to, we're starting a possum tribe out here. Yeah, uh, yeah, crazy man. We can get back in the whitetail. I just had to bring that up because that, that's just your personality. You know, I mean, you're just a good guy you could tell that you're hilarious to hang out with and who's gonna be like all right i'm gonna hang this trail camera on video <laughs> mode i'm gonna feed this possum it's gonna be awesome you know I, mean? <laughs> I just, just love that fun, yeah, i just love that personality and then me getting to watch the videos i'm like this is awesome that like you said just there's just having fun when you're watching about you're not thinking about anything but like look at this possum you know what i mean <laughs> you're just laughing so it's a good like minute escape from everything that's going on you know yeah so. yeah all right, well, uh, I'm I'm excited to check out that that uh, article. I need to learn a lot more about EHD. Yeah. Like I said, it's something that we've never had to deal with, and if it ever does happen, being able to figure it out and then react and still be able to get it done, because that's at the end of the the day what everybody wants to do. You know, they want to get it done every year. You know, what I mean, that's what everybody's trying to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you know that that article's premise was basically just telling you, look learn how to adapt to EHD and have a plan B. And, and I'm writing kind of a follow-up piece that I'm, I'm working on right now. It's kind of a part two to that of, uh, you know, always have my, always having a plan B, but there are a lot of scenarios that we encounter as mature buck hunters that you need to start fishing for plan B. Um, you know, and it can be as simple as, you know, the, the neighbor kid shot your buck that you were trying to take, you know, what do you do then? Um, so you've got a buck that you've had tons of history with and he goes ghost. What do you do then? You know, there are tons of different little scenarios about plan B. Say you get a really funky weather like we had around, um, veterans day last year when it was like the blizzard of November, um, you know, crazy weather patterns you need a plan B or C on and, and just about thinking critically, in those moments, instead of just keep going to the same set and, you know, you know it's a bullshit set, you, you know, you, you just need to learn to think critically in those moments. And, and it, it's, it's definitely thinking off the cuff a little bit, but it never hurts to have a plan B, ever. Yeah, that's something that me and, me and homies changed up the last couple of years is, you know, you had those 
go-to stands. We both had them on our properties. You know, before we yeah. hunted together, right. we, you had those go-to stands where you had about two or three choices where you knew, okay, this is where I'm going. And uh, like you said, that goes back to that, you know, thinking critically. Now we got, we're mobile, you know what I mean? So we're looking at the map and there's 30 possibilities of where we could go, you know what I mean? So, um, and that's, that's where we were, instead of targeting in one area, now we're targeting six bucks. We're not targeting yeah. this area. We got these backup deer like, okay, this is where I want to go. This is my highest odds. But if something's messed up here, I got this second option. And, okay, there's a guy parked here. He's never here. So now I got this third option. You know what I mean? And that's something that we've been better at. But even five years ago, I had those three stands. You know the exact C3s yeah. I'm talking about. You know yeah. what I mean? I had three stands, and I had really good success out of those three stands. But... They started catching on. Yeah, they started catching on, and then that third, fourth year, if I would have went back and hunted that one stand, I probably wouldn't have killed all year, you know what I mean? But I uh, stepped go going back there, you know, that's the same old, same old, it's going to work, it's going to work, and biggest deer we've seen out of is a three-year-old eight-pointer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the year before, I seen seven bucks in one day, all shooters, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. It's just like a light switch, and... You know, what What changed was hunting pressure to the north. You know, people yep. seen me shooting deer, so they moved in, and I had no plan B. I was like, this is what works. This is what yep. I'm doing. I'm going in. So that having having a backup plan is super key. Yeah, Cody, and you, and you touched on it, too. Like, we, you know, as a family, I hunt, the wife hunts, the boy hunts, and, and I've got a, a couple of brothers and, and you know, we don't own massive pieces of ground or anything like that. I mean, we've got the family farm here and, and, and some uh, private that we're fortunate enough to, to be able to access. But um, during the summer months, you, you know, like from the time season ends to the time season begins is a time to start building that inventory list. And I like to have, like you were saying, I like to have – as a personal goal, by the time the green flag flies in October, I like to have 10 bucks that we know about that need to be shot. And, and you know, we, we certainly never kill all 10, um, but there's five of us, and you get two tags apiece. Uh, so you might as well shoot for the moon and, you know, do your, your best to mm -hmm. prep. But you, you, it never ceases to amaze me how the season shakes out and, you know, how you've got to shift from one buck to another, but it's always good to have a list of, of, of potentials that, you know, you need to start working on. You know, I, I like the idea of targeting one or two individual bucks that are just top shelf, um, but at the same time, I want to go out, have fun, and, and shoot a good deer. Um, and, and if I need to, you know, go down the, the list of bucks, I'm, at least I've got several to pick from. Uh, and I may not hit on all of them. You, you can't get on every one of them. But uh, having that list for me it is, you know, guys on TV will call it a hit list. I just, it's a simple grocery shopping inventory list for me. Like, that's all it is. Um, and, and, you know, we try not to get our hopes too high. They're not, quote, my deer until they're in the back of my truck. You know, we never get too emotionally uh, attached to a deer that's on the hoof because there's a lot of things that can happen to them out there oh yeah man that's that's something that we've been better too is 
you know, it seems like we're always about the seven, seven deer mark, seven bucks. Yeah. You know, if I add them up and, um, you pull the cam, you're like, ah, oh, man, this one's real close to daylight. <laughs> and then you're like, ah, this one's getting real there or this one daylighted. And then it's great to have them options, but then you're like, ah, oh, what do I do? I was, I was just going to say, I just wrote this down in the notes and be like, Early October for us is just an absolute shit show. Yeah, it's like, like anybody yeah. out there listening who thinks that we have it like figured out early October, not so much. We don't like, have anything never. figured out, but early yeah. October is like, oh, oh man, man we could go here, we could go there. Yeah. This yep. buck's close. But then, just like you said, Clint, you know, the season changes. And it seems like after, like, you almost have to take it in, like, two-week increments. Like, all right, this two weeks, we're hunting early season, you know, maybe still have some beans that are turning or something. And then late October, you're like, all right, you know, we need to get on some acorns. Scrapes are starting to open up pretty heavy. And then, you know, you're in the rut. And then after rut, last does coming in, you know, you just got to take it as, you know, almost two-week two increments and just be able to adapt. And now that we can hunt mobile, you know, it makes it even easier easier but harder at the same time to pick where you want to go because you want to have that full confident feeling where you pick yeah you guys touched base on it on your last episode where you were sitting in one spot and your cell cam blew up and he's standing in front of the stand no oh, yeah. Like, yeah like yeah you can outguess yourself way too much you know and i think we get in our own way a lot um and you know when it comes to building that list or, or doing some, you know, scouting, I, I think we need to sometimes just take a step back and get out of our own way. And, you know, don't let last year or year before the last 20 years of your hunting experience, don't let that cloud your, your, you know, critical thinking ability in real time this season. Uh, we get too linear with our thoughts. I think sometimes when it comes to chasing these things and, um, you know, like you, we were talking earlier um, about that old buck that you guys were, uh, you know, had, had had some history with. And, um, you know, they're always going to surprise you. There's tons and tons of unknowns. You just got to learn to adapt to those unknowns and take them in stride. Yeah, that's pretty much all we say. Why did this deer do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that. like, what is he doing? It makes absolutely no sense. You know, like... He's daylighting on the 8th of October at 11 in the morning. And we're like, okay, 8th of October, we're going to go back. We're going to look at the weather. It was like 85. <laughs> right. You're like, what? What's yeah. going on right now? Right. 85, like a terrible wind for how he's coming to that scrape. Yep. You're like, yep. what? I don't I don't get it at all. You know like, well, he couldn't even hunt there. So yeah. that's why he's there. Yeah. So Right. Like, so. No, it, but. Just like you said there, Clint, you know, probably up to, you know, five years ago, you know, a couple of years before Cody and I started hunting together, like, it was just getting into that same routine, you know, well, we had good bucks here last year, or, you know, dad killed that 12-pointer here two years ago or whatever, you know, you just get into that routine or you fall in love with that stand or, you know, you had a good hunt there or you seen a good buck and you just kind of get into it and... You get then, stuck then, in a rut. Yeah, and then you yeah. just... It, it don't produce, you know, after that in a lot, I think that's the problem with a lot of people who want results and then they just don't get it because they just fall into that rut of, well, I'm going to go back to that pinch. Well, they're, they're moving yeah. around because they logged over there or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's different when we're targeting, like I, 
I I can't just go deer hunt I- anymore. You know what I mean? Like, just go sit a random spot and see what happens. Um, I mean, sometimes we'll do it because the situation calls for it, but what, what I'm getting at there is, like, when we're when, when we're going to the timber, we're going with intent for an individual animal. Almost every single one of our hunts. Like, we've got a guy in mind that we're trying to to hunt him down and kill him. And I, over the, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that EHD season in 2012. It was just my worst season ever. Like, it, I, I just, I totally, I, you know, I, I totally just half-assed my prep and, it, it was my completely my fault, um, and we had that big die-off, and it was just a crappy season and a crappy effort on my part. And I told myself at the end of the year, I'm never going to have another season like I just had. Like, I am starting from, not really from scratch, but my mindset is starting over. And, like, it, I, I totally rededicated myself just to... I need to start targeting individual animals. And I've, I've taken a, at least one target buck a year since then, if not two. Um, and, and they're not all, you know, they're not all booners, but they're ones that I know are there. They're mature enough to shoot, and I'm there to kill him. And, and that really fulfills me is that, that chase of an individual buck. Like, I call it profiling. Like, you see these shows on, you know, like Criminal Minds and, and stuff like that where these FBI profilers have got a team of people that just simply sit back and analyze the bad guy, right? They know where he sleeps. They know where he lives. They know where he works. They, they know how he, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out the, the subject and why he does what he does. And when we're targeting mature bucks, we're profiling them in a, in a sense. Like, we're trying to get their quirks and habits. And, and, and when you can put all that profile of an individual buck together and, and run out and hunt him down and kill him, there's nothing better, in my opinion. No, that's something that me and Homie experienced last year. So we're up here. Um, I call Homie, like, every day during deer season. We're, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're game planning, talking about what – and I call him a lot now, just talking about trail cams. Oh, we got this buck. We're messaging back and forth. And uh, I'm saying you can tell us past your life for Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> – like. That's what I, that's what I love, right? I love that you and your buddy working together. Um, I don't care who kills a deer, you know. It, yep. it, you just want it. You just want to kill him, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what you want to do. And, and we went to Missouri last year to my grandpa's farm. We roll up there, we do some scouting, we hang a set, we're like, oh, yeah, this looks good. We kill a buck the first five minutes. <laughs> like, it literally, <laughs> we're there. And, and it's like a really solid southern Missouri deer. Like, should be super jacked. And I look at homie, and I'm like, I'm just not that jacked up. You know it's what over. I mean? And, yeah. and we, we got to talking about it on the way home. You know, it's a five, six-hour drive home, and we're talking about it. You know, and I'm like, you know what? We didn't have any trail cam pics of that deer. We didn't have any, you know, no history with them. Nothing going on. We never game planned against them. The only game plan we were doing, like, man, a lot of fresh buck sign in between bedding and food. Like, all the basic, the literally basic kind of in a pinch point corner of a field, big grass CRP field. 
acorns there, like everything that you would want. All right, well, let's hang here. You know what I mean? We hung super high. We're like, we'll hang super high. We won't have to worry about it. And then, boom, kill the deer. You know what I mean? And uh, if I would have killed a deer like that up here, super jacked. I'd have been like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, right. here we go. If, if it would have been like a buck we call chaos we've been trying to kill for two years, you know, I'd been like, yes, finally I did it. But It yeah. would have scored the same. Yeah, it would have scored the same. Yeah. But. Yeah, so like when you're on that, the, the, the message that you're conveying right now is like what I, when I start paying attention to you guys, I saw your video when you shot free um and like that's that's what you're saying right now that moment yeah that you moment know when, where when, when you close it out it's just like there's a part of you that you're like gosh man I'd, I'd love to breathe life back into him and chase him again yeah 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 like you know what i mean all but there there is a sense of fulfillment that you've done that work and you've done that job and now we go find another one yeah yeah because yeah. it was like Nine thirty, ten o'clock at night and we're coming back from getting caped out and you know i just kind of looked over at cody and i was like hey man we're never gonna have freeze on trail cam again and then it like it it, it hits you like that's another heavy hitter you yeah. know it was like holy yeah. shit like i'm never gonna go pull a card and just be looking we're never gonna come back here to the studio put it on the big screen and just go through that card and just wait for freeze. And yeah. then when we did, I mean, you're over here humping my leg. Yeah, when we like got a freeze in man. October and, <laughs> and, like, he didn't leave after Velvet, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the studio. Like, because when you get a picture of that deer on trail cam, there's so yeah. much going on. Oh, you, yeah. don't, you don't know how big that thing is. Like, no. I, you can't be like, ah, yeah, that's, that's, you just know that's like a once in a lifetime deer. <laughs> yeah. You're not like, oh, yep. that's a 170. That's a one, like, there was never, like, of what he is, it was just it was yep. freeze, and yeah. I was gonna. There's three years I was gonna kill him, you know what I mean? And and homie, we're riding back, and he's like, "Yeah, we're we're never gonna get a trail cam picture of a game." And then I'm like thinking in my mind, like, Ugh. all like the amount of the amount of strategy and the amount of me and homie's friendship growing over that one deer is insane. Yeah. You know that yeah. from. Like the first or second episode of this podcast, we're talking about that deer. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And then there's a friendship of me and homie working together and working, and he's on cam and he's gone, and then we finally figure him out. And I'm like, this is where I'm going to kill this sucker. And then to kill him, like, I mean, I'm embarrassed of that film a little bit because <laughs> I wouldn't be. God, I just, that's how it feels, man. I went off that's... the deep end. Like, that was, <laughs> I had so much invested in that deer. And, that year, I hunted so much. Like, I yeah. hunted an insane amount. Um, I drove to Missouri, drove back, didn't kill anything down there, drove back up here, continued to hunt, took two weeks off work, hunted literally all day, like, You were crushing the Non-step, non-stop, all day sits in his core areas. And I wasn't seeing any deer. Like, I wasn't seeing, not him, I wasn't seeing anything. And it was just absolutely brutal, and I was on, like, my last last leg. And in that film, like, I say it, but we didn't get any footage of the deer. Literally three or four minutes before I kill Freeze, I pass a one high 130s, one, well, probably 135 class 8-pointer with base kickers. Like, a absolute beautiful, heavy buck, 70 yards, and I pass him. You know what I mean? 
And yep. I messaged Tommy, and I said, I just passed <laughs> a really solid deer. And he's like, well, that was dumb. You yeah, know what I mean? Because yeah. like, he had, he had, like, I was just, you know, griping to him, like, what am I doing wrong? I'm setting all these sets. I'm putting all the time in, and he's still showing up on trail camera. I'm not busting him. You know, and that was, like, the realization to us, like, okay, we can hunt this deer, and as long as we do it right, like, our access was ridiculous. We were like American ninja warriors going into some of these stands, going down creek draws and down trees oh, and yeah. stuff. Oh. But we could hunt this deer and not, not bust him. You know what I mean? So we yeah. had that going for us, and it was just about putting the time in. And homie's like, you should, like, he was like, well, that was dumb. You know, you're just oh, griping about. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> dumbass move yeah. <laughs> you know? now i gotta hear more now i gotta go who knows how much more longer about oh, i kill it shit all this work all this time game planning blah 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 like yeah could have been done right there and then, and then three then, minutes later dude. you know boot and then i shoot it, the deer and in my mind like i knew it was a giant deer but i never I never thought I would kill that deer. Like I never had the confidence that we could actually kill him. I right? was like, well, maybe he done changed his yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Homie's probably like, oh, he must have shot that eight pointer. <laughs> I, like, I, right. I convinced him to switch it up, but yeah. uh, but he calls me. I call him. He goes, did you get him? And then I don't know what he's talking about. But like, no, I didn't get him. I shot a one seventy twelve pointer. <laughs> and Homie's like, oh shit, you know that's that's a giant deer. And 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 literally. I don't know how I did it, but without his inside kickers, he's 172 inches. So I was damn yeah, right. real close right. to what he was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I went up there, you know, and then it was like, like you said, it's just that emotional connection that you get. And it's people see that video and then they ask that aren't like real hardcore into hunting and they ask me about it and I'm kind of embarrassed. They're like, man, you were pretty tore up. But I, is, you're either into it that deep or you're not. And if you're into it yeah. that deep, hopefully you understand that like it's just for a small town little podunk guy who's just hunting his ass off to kill a deer like that on 21 acres and literally the deer is on your property for 70 acres mm -hmm. and you do it right and you kill the deer and you're literally 30 yards from one fence line and 30 yards from the other fence line <laughs> you know what i mean right. and you get it done it's just a a feeling that's it's not like I told, I, I just tell everybody it ruined me. You know what I mean? I'm I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that yeah. high of highs. You know what I mean? Yep. And on onto that next one. Yeah, yeah. that's like you I said. got. Uh, I got super. I dude, when I uh, a couple of years ago, my boy, I got super emotional on video too for for the white knuckle show. Um, that year, my boy fell out coming down out of a tree and broke his back and we had to like it was sketchy it was so scary dude um and you know that happened right at the start of my november like three weeks off vacation and i it it really put a lot of things into perspective like he was fine everything turned out good it, we learned some valuable lessons over it. we weren't being unsafe he was just unsnapped when he transitioned and he mm -hmm. fell and um it was wet and raining long and short of it i sh you know two weeks later I, sh I shoot a double throat patch um but he wasn't never going to be anything special um and, and I, I knew he's a four and a half he's kind of a bonus buck for the area and i seen him come I'm like you know what i'm gonna shoot this deer if i can get him on video like 
I, I need to I need to rally after what happened to Troy. Um, get him on, get him lined up in frame, and I, I shoot him. And I I was using expandable broad at time, and just got awful penetration right up close. He spins around, takes off running, stops. I get another one in him off the offside. Tracked and tracked and tracked. Never could find him. It got cold and snowed a little bit the night that night, and uh, I, I pretty much gave up hope finding that deer. Along the short of it, after a, a day and a half of looking, I I finally found him. And I I just you know he's nothing huge. He's a pope deer, but man, I I had a lot of those emotions come back. Like I, I was really it was such a roller coaster up and down. Like. I felt so bad that I thought I'd lost that deer, and and all I wanted was something good to happen for our season. And, yeah, and I remember that episode. It's pretty. Awesome. I was so I was so choked up about it because I, I just kept in my mind as I'm laying there by that deer, and I recover him just by myself by just not luck, but a lot of search and and uh, you know you put that amount of effort and emotion into your in your hunts, and it, it just it took me over, man. I couldn't help it. I just kept thinking about in my mind as I'm sitting there by that buck, seeing Troy in the ICU, you know, a team of people working on him, ultrasound in his belly, looking for a bleed, uh, sending him to do a CT. Like, it was scary shit. And, like, I'm, I was just so fortunate to recover that buck. And and thankfully, you know, everybody's safe and happy and healthy today. And and uh, but I, yeah, I don't don't feel bad about wearing your emotion, man. Like it's part of it. If if you're a serious whitetail guy, and you don't feel that ever in your hunting career, then are you really that serious? Yeah, you and um, the thing that I don't think a lot of people get is when you are that serious and that into it, like. The shit just overcomes you. It, you can't control it. You can't hide it back. It literally just takes over, and it's coming out, regardless yep. of what you want to see, what what you want to hide. I mean, it's it's there to come out. Like, I mean, I was tore up four hours after we got back. You know, like, I mean, I'm still bawling my eyeballs out. Like, we just did it. You know, and it's just yep. shit that you can't hide back. And um, Cody's reaction on camera, it's perfect example and you know just like you said you know you're just sitting there by that deer and you just wanted everything to come to come together one time and just once and you know that when we recovered that buck we were back in the timber the next day and it was just like strap a rocket ship to you now we're going yeah like, oh yeah we had yep. we had an awesome season after that I, I killed a slammer off the ground on a stock with my wife and the boy wanted to still wanted to hunt but he couldn't climb because he had a back brace on you know and this kid's uh i think he's 15 at the time and uh you know he's he tells me this a couple days before gun he's like i've got i've got a tag and i want to go i'm like dude we shouldn't be doing this but we'll go sit up against uh, you know a ground set for gun season and the kid doubles like he's got two gun tags um and, and we doubled on he doubled with a broken back like it was and they were good deer for a kid right yeah, like soup that was that it, episode it, was so awesome you guys just was, sitting at the base of that lit, tree man we it was so good and we were high-fiving and like it, yeah man i'm telling you if you don't get uh if, it, if deer hunting doesn't make you happy 
and it doesn't fill you with like a sense of uh, like passion and joy, like joy. I think a lot of joy is missing, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I just, I love it. I don't know why I can't explain it. I never have been able to put it in the proper text and terminology on why, but I just know I have to be there. And, and for that to all come out like it did during that season when it could have been like, dude, I think about it a lot still. If there, there could have been a chance that he could have been hurt or even worse than that. And my wife and I's lives would have never been the same ever again. And I don't know that I could have enjoyed hunting again, uh, the same way, I, I, you know, so again, just reflecting on that, if it doesn't pull on you like it did on me, then, you know, I'm super, I'm, I couldn't put it into words the right way of what drives me to feel that way, but all I know is it does. Yeah, same here. I don't know what, I don't know what it is that just every year, I feel like if I did, I don't know what I would do if I didn't hunt whitetail. I have no idea what my thing would be. Like, some guys they race cars or some guys are yep. huge into softball, you know what I mean? And riding Harleys. I don't only do whitetail. That's it. That's like yep. my thing, you know? And, and if I didn't have that, I don't know what I'd do. I would, I need, I need that construction, that the brain work. I need the game plan. And, and I need, I need something that I can put a ton of hard work into and see yep. results. That's yeah. what I need. I need something that, I'm at the stage right now where I can't technically beat these deer, but I can outwork them. I can work right. myself to kill them, and that's where I'm at. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to get to the stage where I can surgically <laughs> remove them or whatever. You know they say. I'm not. I'm not a surgeon. I'm. I'm going in there with a machete. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going in there with right. a machete, get just just working until if Holy I, you know, shit. most people are cutting a leg off with a you know a precision <laughs> instrument. I'm in there with a machete until I get it off. High fish I mean? machete Jenkins. So that's that's where I'm at on the level and my drive to yeah. it, like the drive to be successful isn't so I can be like some great yeah, deer hunter. It. It's just like. That's I I need that in my life. Like I yeah. I work my ass off all preseason and in season, <laughs> and that's a reward. It's those literally five seconds when you're like, this is it. This is the moment I'm gonna hit the trigger, and you hit it, and then it's like Nirvana. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. here it is. This is it. And then I gotta have that chase. Yeah, it, 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 it's all about that chase. You, you know, and it's like you said man like it's not it doesn't have a single thing to do about chest beating and self-promotion like it it, it's not about that for me it's it's trying to control the uncontrollable it's trying to influence and learn and and do my best in an uncontrollable situation, like whitetails are uncontrollable, no matter how much we think we can influence them, we have to do our best. And, and it's, you're, you're ne- it's never going to be figured out. We're never going to be perfect at it. And, and it's, it's, you know, I look at it like those guys that, you know, maybe kind of a weird analogy, but how scary would it have been to be those guys back in the sixties flying legitimate spaceships to the moon not knowing like 
I might die up here. You know, like that is controlling the uncontrollable. You know, that's never going to be tamed. You can't tame outer space or the moon. And, and, and the, the, is the risk worth the reward? Now, it's different context in the whitetail woods, but, man, just trying to impose your will on something that you cannot physically control, but just get good enough to get close. Just get good enough to touch that ragged edge. That's what drives me out there. Yeah. Yep, that's it. You just want to live on that fringe of, you know, and I want failure. Like, I, I don't want to go out there and just kill one. So, I mean, if you didn't have the failure every year, I don't think it would be as – it would be, wouldn't be as fun, and then the reward wouldn't be as good. If you went out there, you know, just like we're talking about October kills, you went out there every year, and October 5th, by October 5th, you had a slammer down. You'd be right. like, now this is awesome, but then eventually you'd be like, man, I'm going to have to hunt a different state, or I'm going to have to find some public – just to challenge yourself, you know what I mean? So Yeah, that, that failure and the unknown of – what can I do tomorrow or the next day or the next day is a big motivator for me in season. Like definitely uh, you have to used to when I was younger, boy, if I get my tail kicked by a, you know, some stupid mistake I would do, I would just dwell on it and stuff like that. But nowadays, like when you give, you know, the benefit of the doubt to the animal, and sometimes when one just totally whips your ass, you just got to kind of tip your cap to him and, and grin out the corner of your mouth and be like, you know what, dude, you with me, but yep. I'm going to try you again. That's what happened to us last I'm year. Saying, we've been getting our home. ass whipped a lot. <laughs> you know, you got a, Every you got day. a, a giant at 55 yards and he, and like, who swims across the creek? I mean, if, if it was, you know, if he was just chilling like a food plot, it'd be different. Yeah. But in the woody shit, the, the grass, grass, woody brush. You got a doe that comes to 35 broadside that he's chasing, and he's like, hell, I'm going to hop to the right, swim across this <laughs> creek, walk down this swamp, and I'll pop out of 55. <laughs> like, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but, yeah, You've got to tip your hat, man. Oh, yeah. That's and, what, and, you know, that, that brings up part of it. Like, we we get so wrapped up into you know trying to impose our will on these things but anyone that tells you that there is not at least a small element or a grand element of luck to your hunt every damn time you're on on stand they're lying to you yeah like, they're full they're, of shit yeah. yeah yeah i mean they've got the those animals have the power of free will and the ability to critically think and you just got to get lucky some days you could be on the most fire trail and that thing could go through a briar bush. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, homie, the same day had a real solid buck. Literally could have turned left, 10-yard oh, broadside dude. shot, walked an open, clear path in the same direction he wanted to go. Dude went straight right, had his antlers hung up and stuff. Thick as it hell. It was stupid. Straight into the thickest stuff. You you would never be like, oh, yeah, deer, walk right through there. And it would have been an awesome midday kill. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> what was it, like 1150? It was, no, it was 140. 140, yeah. Just a nice deer coming out. Literally took took a right-hand turn, killed. Took a left-hand turn, killed. Just walked straight, straight into the yeah. thickest stuff. Like, what are you doing? Where no Stay deer away should from be. You guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like, if I turn left, this guy up here is going to smoke me. <laughs> I'm just yeah, right I was saying it was November, so yeah, it would have been true. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, one thing I want to um, kind of end this note on is uh, uh, I, one of the reasons we had you on, other than be a you know a slammer whitetail killer, it's just your positivity on on online and Facebook and Instagram and stuff. There's a lot of negativity out there, and uh, I follow you because you know I got the respect. I see that you're killing deer year after year, so you're a guy that I want to follow. You're you're a normal dude, not you know famous in the industry, not going to outfitters, getting it done. So you got something going on, you know what I mean? And um, I just want to commend you on your positivity and with the way stuff's going right now on social. If anybody's involved in some of the forums and the pages that are going on, it's it's radical out there. Mm. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Cody. I, that's a big compliment, and no matter who gives it to you, man, I, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, you, that positivity has not, I'll, you know, I'll be the first to tell you that, man, that positivity has not always been there for me. It's something that I had to learn into a little bit. Like, when you, when I first started on social, like, I was one of those guys that would smart-ass off about something, and over time, I'm like, what, why am I, this, this is not me, like, why, why am I going to do this? And, and I don't, you know, it doesn't do anything constructive, like, it's not teaching the next kid that's behind you in line who's 16 or 17 trying to learn. It's not doing those kids any justice, you know, and if it wasn't for somebody that was positive in my life at a very early age, I wouldn't even have been exposed to whitetail hunting. Like my dad wasn't a hunter, you know, I don't, I would never have gotten that exposure. So I look at it that way, you know, you can just add more, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution, you know, and some of the stuff that's out there, it's, it's chippy. It, it's, it's a little chippy, you, you know, um, you know, guys are, are always cutting down, you know, compound guys are cutting down crossbow guys and, and, and our, all archery guys are cutting down, you know, firearm hunters and, and you know, just full of negativity, garbage and, you know, hard sell sponsor plugs. And I'm just not all about that. It's not doing a bit of good. And, and so when I, when I go to post, I don't just share some random post from someone else's. My goal for each time that I post something deer related it is to post about something, maybe a, my own original thoughts and ideas. That's a, a big driving motivator for me. Um, to sit down and write something that I enjoy writing. And uh, I, I, I really get a kick out of hearing that from, from you and, and, and others. Like, we, we look forward to what you're putting out there. I, I, I appreciate all that. Yeah, I enjoy the content. Like I said, that positivity doesn't just go with, with you know, social media. you got to be positive hunting. That's something me and homies try to work on. Like, every set you need to go in, like, I'm going to kill. I'm positive that this is going to work. And uh, positivity in life, if you dwell on the bad stuff every day, there's just going to be bad stuff around you. But if you dwell on, like, the little positives, you know, me and homie, we we don't talk about it a lot, but we push each other more than than we know. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. be hunters, be better dads, to be better husbands, to be better. And that's why he's my best friend. I wouldn't trade him for anything, you know what I mean? Because he makes me a better person, and he's positive. Very seldom... Yeah. Is he negative with me unless he's bullshitting me? You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? We, yeah. we, we, we pull our plugs, you know what I mean? We hit each other hard, 
But that's what yeah. we got to do to keep each other humble. You know what I mean? You know, right. I'm a I'm a high fence gun hunter, and he's got small arms. Yeah. That's like our go to. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like our go to. Like if you want to nail him with a joke and you can't yeah. think of anything right now, you just Boom. hit him with that. That's yeah. always a good backup. You know what I mean? And yep. and uh, but we push each other, but we're always positive. You know what I mean? And but just like you said, Clint. Um, one thing I want to touch on is uh, it's not it's not always been inside of me to be positive um this is something that i've learned through cody just being around cody because i do believe it is inside of cody or he's learned it from somebody else before i met him and just being around cody has made me a better person and you know just being actively positive and um you know there are times that we do you know bullshit each other just like cody said but most of the time it's like hey man good job or you know we're going to the gym in the morning and you know we always fist bump before i leave and um you know it's just it, it's reflecting into my marriage and i've i've given my wife damn near a compliment every day of the year and you know it, i can see it transcending her and you know that's making me feel good as a husband and um, you know, I, I really coach my kids up and try to make them be the best that they can be. And it just is all around good. And, you know, just like you said, it's not something that you can just flip a switch and turn into because it, it hasn't been for me. And, um, it's something that I take a lot of pride in now is being positive and, uh, yeah, it all goes you gotta, to you gotta work hard at it. Yeah. To, but once you get there and you put the work in to be positive, Dude, it is a It's hard life to wake changer. up at 5 a.m. and be positive about everything in life. You know? <laughs> yeah. If I didn't have mobile cams, it'd be a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you get That's a big right. buck on cam right when you wake up, you're like, oh, it's going to yeah. be a good day. It's <laughs> going to be a good day. <laughs> it's going to be a good day, Tater. Yeah, going to be a good day. Yep. But like, like I said, there needs to be more people online like you just spreading the positivity. You never post anything negative. Everything... Like, just going back to your possum and coon videos. Just positivity. You know, you're laughing. You're having a good time. You're wanting people to enjoy life. And uh, I think that's, you know, a lot of people's probably If you dwell on negative mm -hmm. all the time, just negative shit happens to well, you. Well, it's just like, oh, hey, uh, thank you for tuning into the 5 o'clock news. Good evening, but I'm going to tell you all the bad shit that's yeah. going on. What? Right on. Yeah. You yeah. know? There, there's too much of that shit in the world these days, dude. And... and I didn't used to, you know, that whole mindset, it, it's not, it doesn't come easy for me. You, you know, like I've had to, you know, when I was in my early 20s, we'd always worry about wherever somebody else is hunting. Like, oh, neighbor's hunting over there and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, it's just, you always constantly worry about stuff that didn't matter and, and it wasn't on your side of the street to control to begin with. So I just try to take care of my side of the street, do my own thing, and and you know, let you know I don't I don't care about who wants to shoot a crossbow or you know as long as or, or a you know, a gun I don't I am not a weapons hunter like I don't care like I am a whitetail hunter period and if it's legal and I can use it and it's in season I'm going I'm going deer hunting and, and that's there's a big divide and, and there, you know, if you look at recruit hunter recruitment numbers, you know, there are less and less hunters and, and less of us every single year. Uh, and you know, is, is that what we want? Like as far as us talking on this podcast, like, is that what we want for the future of what we enjoy now? 
No, no. Yeah, yeah. like we we want some other people to in, enjoy this, and, and you know, it's just part of it. I, I uh, it didn't didn't used to come real easy for me, but I've learned that over the years, and I I enjoy making those uh, posts about strategy or, or just sharing a goofy video, dude. It's all about having fun. Isn't all isn't all whitetail hunting about having fun? Mm-hmm. Like we we if we're honest and transparent about it. None of us need the meat, and I don't mean that in a bad way. We could, you know, we're not, we're not hunting for our survival. We're hunting because we enjoy the outdoors and 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 the animals that we encounter and the experiences we have of being do-it-yourself whitetail guys. And it's fun. It is a ball of fun. Like that's why we keep doing it. And if you're not having fun. You're doing something wrong, and you're definitely not being positive. Yeah, that is 100% true, and that's why I'll continue to follow you. And I just got to say a huge thank you for coming on the podcast. I kind of cold messaged you, and I've been following you for a while, and I'm like, hey, man, I want to have you on. Um, people need to hear that message right now. Uh, I seem like it's it's just getting worse and worse as it gets closer to season. So um, everybody just try to stay positive, man. Let's kill some deer. Let's just have fun, right? That's 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 a good way to end it. I knew having this guy on was just was gonna get me jacked up. You know, know. during this episode, I was reliving some memories. I was getting jacked, and uh, I'm I'm jacked up for season. I'm positive. I'm ready to go out there, hunt hard, and just have a have a good year. You know what I mean? And it's getting real close now. I mean, the the days are ticking by, and and. these, these are the people these are the kind of people that you need to follow you know clint's a dude you need to follow and there's a few solid guys out there we're finding that out and he's a great storyteller and he's he's just positive you know what i mean and, and having a positive person in your life is huge we we talked about that multiple times tonight and uh you're my positive person in life you know what i mean you're mine most man. of the time so it's important to have that dude uh you can you can rough house with and then you know he's going to come back and, and be positive and motivate you to do good and, and clint's clint's one of those guys so huge shout out for him coming on um i hope you guys learned something from this you got something yeah just one thing i want to touch on is you know he was talking about just going out there and, and having the joy in your hunt and you know last year i didn't make a good shot on october 25th and i'm not saying that i didn't enjoy my red vacation but it'd have been a lot better if you know sunshine would have been down and we would have had you know the moments of the recovery and that right away and um it didn't really damper or how hard i hunted during the rut but it would have just made my rut that much better and um that's something that i'm not gonna if that situation hopefully it doesn't happen again man that'd be rough but you know if i mean it's hunting you know shit happens but if if that does happen again you know just keep on pushing through like it did but just take every hunt that you get um you know like it could be your last because you know it could have been clint's son's last hunt you know you never know so you got to get out there and just enjoy every hunt that you get because you know tomorrow's not promised for anybody that is correct um going right along with that um you better do the right thing because you never know if you got tomorrow to fix your mistakes that you made today exactly (laughs) try to leave a legacy and whitetail legacy is out but we'll be coming in your ear holes soon.
pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.